Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Bergun. So today is going to be um, probably a little bit of a shorter show. Uh, It's just going to be me. Uh, I have two topics that I want to talk about, one of which affects my current game, Gem Wizards Tactics, and one of which uh, is related to an article I wrote recently on quarterbacking um, in uh, cooperative games. So we're going to talk about those two uh, topics. Um, uh, I I don't have a lot of uh, pre-show notes, really. Obviously, um, I we're, we're Gem Wizards is getting very close to the point now where uh, players can really play test it. It's it's weird. It's 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 so hard to know like where that point is. I you know I remember back in the day uh, thinking like, wow, when Blizzard uh, launches their betas, the game's basically like done and being and thinking that that was strange but like now that i've been working in games for a long time i realize you you kind of have to have your game all pretty much done before you start beta testing because um you know what i've noticed is it's just hard for players to really engage it's really hard for them to to dive into the game when there are big chunks of it sort of missing or if it's it's really buggy and crashing or if certain things are just very unclear it's it's hard for them to give you useful feedback number one but it's also hard for them to really engage with it and dive into it in the way that you need them to in order for them to give you any useful feedback so um you know the 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 beta is available or i should say like the alpha is available right now for uh my patrons and you can become a patron uh, uh at the silver tier you will get uh access to that um and it's you know that's that's the thing though is like i feel like it's it's kind of at that point or it's getting very close to that point where uh it's a pretty playable game um, I think it's probably not quite there yet, but I think we're on track. Uh, we're hoping to meet some kind of December release schedule, and I think that we're on track for that, but um, you never know with this stuff. It's just... Um, and, and one of the things that I guess is um, sort of maybe disheartening in terms of, of release schedule is that we're, we are still sort of redesigning things. Um, maybe even some kind of fundamental things about the combat system, and that's something we're going to be talking about today. So that's our first topic for the day. Is and it's really a broader conversation about like what should combat be like in a turn-based tactics game. Uh, there's been many, many different conceptions of turn-based tactical combat, and now when I'm talking about the combat, I'm actually being very specific that I'm just really talking about how is damage dealt. So I'm not talking about initiative systems or or necessarily like flanking or uh, zones of control or, 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 you know, things like that. I'm really just talking about like literally how do you deal damage to other units. Um, now, of course, that's also supposing that there is even damage in the game. But I'm speaking within sort of this, uh, you know, turn-based tactical... Uh, what do you say? Like uh, like language or tradition, right? So games like Final Fantasy Tactics, XCOM, uh, Advance Wars, Fire Emblem, Fantasy General. Um, you know, to a lesser extent, there's other games that start sort of like leaving that that comfort zone. Uh, but uh, but they're all worth thinking about. Um, there's there's um, Banner Saga has a has a slightly different conception of how damage would be dealt. 
Uh, and uh, so I've been kind of going through like a little overview as I've been thinking about um, how should how should this work in this game? And, you know, like what should a system value? Um, how much is like transparency, for example, important in terms of like, you know, can can the combat be like this opaque black box or must it be like, you no, know, if there's like a spreadsheet sort of thing there, you have to be able to see every single number, see all, all the math uh, and know all the probabilities of everything, et cetera, et cetera. Um, other questions like, you know, how much is like candy, quote unquote, important? And, and by, that's just sort of like a loose term I've been using recently to refer to um, a, a feeling of, uh, you know, as you make an input, there's a clear feedback of like you did something, right? Like your click made an impact. And so the the hyper like pornified version of this kind of candy in games is like uh, the, the gacha games where they have, you know, click on this chest and get all this loot, right? That's like the super extreme version of that. Uh, but I think that in most uh, tactics games, when you click on a unit, it uh, you deal some damage. Like in XCOM, for example, it's very clear. You click and most of the time you hit and a lot of times you even just kill the alien outright or whatever. And that's like a very clear, just on an aesthetic level, not talking about strategy or tactics. It's just a very clear um, interaction between your click and the feedback that you get, right? And so that's, I think that's something that's important and it's specifically important for video games and even video games within this tradition. I think it's kind of important. And I, I noticed that uh, because, because, you know, when we started out with Gem Wizards Tactics, the, I, I should kind of go into the history of this game. So my original idea was for this game to be based largely on um, Fantasy General, which is a favorite PC game of mine. Uh, if I were to play a single player game on the computer it would be probably the 1995 XCOM or uh Fantasy General or Master of Magic those are like probably my three favorite single player games on the computer and actually they are all heavily influencing uh Gem Wizards uh production and design so, so originally we started with the Fantasy General combat and the really cool thing about Fantasy General's combat is, let's say I have a 10 strength unit and you have a copy of that 10 same exact, like a literal one-to-one -one copy of the same unit, same stats, everything. And we're both standing on the same kind of tile, right? So all the numbers are the same between my unit and your unit and I attack your unit. Um, both of the units deal their damage simultaneously and so what that means is that I won't actually get any advantage from this attack. I will do, you know, let's say five damage to you and you'll do five damage to me. Of course, there's some randomness in there, but generally speaking, like that's the that's the outcome of that click. And so that's a good example of like the opposite of a candy click, right? Because it sort of feels on the local level like you didn't do anything. I scaled down my health and I scaled down your health. Now, of course, this could feed into a larger strategic or tactical um, play, right? So, yeah, I lost my five health, but it's more important that you lost your five health because of the context, right? Um, but it doesn't have that immediate click effect sort of uh, aesthetic effect 
to it. And so I found that that's kind of, it's just something to consider and keep in mind while you're designing these games, um, these kinds of games, because uh, I don't know, there, there is something, it's, it's actually surprising how much even a turn-based tactical game relies on uh, video gamey, clicky, UI, uh, what juiciness is a, is a somewhat related concept, although that's more in the actual graphics and sound and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, those things I think are, are pretty important to uh, the enjoyment of a game. So for a time I tried uh, backing off from that immediate, that, uh, that simultaneous combat. Um, but another thing that was, uh, that has been interest, uh, interesting to me is, so there's another major design concept in these tactical games, a lot of them, of is your unit a like battalion of units or is your unit one single individual? So in Fantasy General, you have sometimes both. You uh, Some of your units are singular units, and some of them are uh, a like brigade of units, right? Whereas in Advanced Wars, it's always a brigade of units. And uh, so the main thing that uh, that is affected here by this is on a, on a gameplay level, if you're if you have a if your unit represents like a battalion or a bunch of troops, and they lose a bunch of troops, then they're dealing less damage as they go, right? So, what that can mean is there's more of a first attacker advantage, right? Because I attack you and do five damage. Now you have only five out of ten health, and when you attack me, you do basically like half of your normal damage because you're at five health out of ten. And so I, I, so if you read one of my articles about uh, Gem Wizards, one of my core values that I really wanted to like back off from was this idea in these tactics games that you know uh, it's just a lot of times it's just a being it's just about striking first, you know in advance in advance wars in particular it's really just like get right outside their threat range and then let them move in and then when they move in you attack them and that's it and it's actually it's kind of like the roguelike pass turn concept uh which we you know i i also wrote another article about that years ago when we were working on oro because the idea with oro was you can't pass the turn you have to keep sort of moving around and move in a direction and um that's that's part of uh this effort to make it that it's not just about like striking first right so that's been a value in Gem Wizards tactics, and that's one of the reasons that when we started, we had uh, simultaneous combat, simultaneous full damage combat. Um, so another thing that happened was um, Gem Wizards takes place in a series of of games actually so so one one map you should you, you could say of gem wizards that's a match that's a complete match right but for the sort of like meta game because i do think that it's uh that it's important for these games to have some some feeling of like permanence or progression meta progression that kind of thing and those things are notoriously hard to do in strategy games because obviously like you can't you can't do what Fire Emblem does. You can't just have like your guys get stronger and stronger and stronger indefinitely. 
uh, the balance just goes completely out the window. You know, I, I played a bunch of uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, and um, it's, you know, it's fine. It's an RPG, uh, is my comment. Uh, the thing is, on a practical level, you know, I played it a bunch, and my main character, you know, the, the main famous main guy, I forget his name, but um, he became just so godlike that... Uh, the game just sort of broke down at a point and it became just way too easy. And so that's, that's you know, that's the oldest story in the the book in terms of RPGs. That's just how it happens. And so that's very at odds with a strategy game. Um, but at the same time, I think that there's something to the idea of some kind of like campaign mode. So I came up with this idea of like a campaign mode that's like about 10 missions long and uh it's kind of like it's actually best thought of as it's more like a, almost like a tournament of this strategy games and there's like you could think of it as like there's these other players in this tournament with me and so there's some uh some stuff that carries over your squad carries over um there's enemy like you start out with one enemy faction that you're fighting against and then soon other enemy factions come into play you're gaining new troops to your army some there is a very light amount of leveling up of your troops throughout um and uh so there's like a little bit of that that rpg kind of progression stuff but it's within this uh this uh structure that i think is is controllable enough so that it can work for strategy games and not destroy the strategy game um so okay so there's that. And, th and then because of that, I wanted to, I really like the idea that your units are units. There are, there are people. So they have randomly generated names. And I think that also, so there's two reasons that I want my units in Gem Wizards to be like an individual rather than like a battalion. One is art wise, you have these big chunky, thick pixel art. And um, there's so many distinct things like distinct uh characters and and weird things that um having them all be like armies of things is is just um is a bit strange sometimes that's number one number two i love the idea that like you can kind of get attached to them they're not just like a, a battalion of soldiers but they're like this specific guy with a specific name right uh uh i personally like the idea that you can rename your units and get a little bit attached to them. And I think that that helps with some of the like narrative element of strategy games. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of like XCOM and how like you get this one guy who's like doing really well and he's really good. And then at some point he dies or something, or uh, we have this other really cool concept that units that are killed off, you can then recapture them later on. You can rescue them. Um, so there's a bunch of like really cool little narrative things like that, which again, I think are not, damaging to the strategy game and but those all uh sort of suggest uh that the units are one individual okay so if they're one individual then then what i realized or what really brett sort of reminded me or or like not clued me in on is well it doesn't really make sense for their damage to scale if they are an individual um and so we decided recently, okay, well, they're, they're going to do their full damage, even if they're almost dead. And we're going to finally, we got rid of the whole, uh, there's a concept in fantasy general, uh, which is like wounds and uh, wounds and deaths. 
So in fantasy general, and this is something that I, I wish more people knew about to begin with, you don't just take damage when, during combat. You take wounds or you take deaths. All right, so you have like 10 individuals in your army, in your unit, right? And you might take three wounds and two deaths. And then you take another fight and you take a couple more wounds and two more deaths or something like that. At any time, you can rest and uh, heal all your wounds, but you can never heal your uh, deaths. Uh, there may be some exceptions to that, like with spells or something like that, but um, those are pretty rare in fantasy general. And so that's the system that we had starting out in Gem Wizards. And, uh, but then I realized, like, uh, we can simplify that and make it just, let's just make it health, that these units have health. And then we can just make it that there's a rest mechanism that can only heal you up to, I don't know, like seven of your 10 health. And that kind of, that pretty much gets the right idea across, right? Of like, you know, you're, you're, once you take damage, you're never going to like be fully healed again. You're only in the beginning going to be at your full health. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of the idea there. That's, that's the approach that we've taken with that. But so now we're at the place where we're kind of trying to figure out what's a good way for the numbers to actually work. So each unit has an attack value and a, def and a def defense value. Uh, they range from like zero to 100. Uh, they range a little bit differently, like attack ranges from like 20 to 80 and defense ranges from zero to like 30 or 40. Uh, attack is higher than defense. Uh, and that's because when you go to attack someone, it subtracts their defense from your attack and then that's the number that number that's left over is called your effectiveness and uh so that'll be in the you know 20 30 40 50 60 70 range somewhere in there uh percent and, and that's framed as like a percentage and in fact that is a percentage so the way we've been doing it is that you would just sort of like roll a die uh and uh you have that percentage to hit with each of your individuals you could call them uh, or you can just, you know, uh, multiply it uh, by 10 and, or I don't know if that's not the right word for it, but the idea is like, you know, if you have 50% um, effectiveness, then you deal five points of damage. So that would be like the non-random version of it, which we're not doing. So th we should address that too really quickly. Why does this game just not have deterministic combat? Uh, and the reason for that is two things, really. One is that we want to... Uh, pull back the tactical and put an accent on the strategic. Another way of framing that is we don't want the game to be very calculation-y. We want it to be uh, more about uh, larger strategic choices. Uh, and as well, um, there's a lot of uh, things with the, the unit abilities uh, which have to be used. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so we want to basically just pull back from that like puzzle-like Advance Wars kind of interactions. Um, so, so that's why there's output randomness in the game, which I think surprises some people uh, to hear that uh, a game I'm working on has output randomness. But I've always said that, like, you know, maybe I haven't always said, but uh, output randomness is not so much the problem as much as um, sort of like uniformity in randomness. Uh, or, or variability in randomness. So, for example, XCOM, uh, I would say, has really, really variable randomness because it's really on a two-hit 
hit or not binary basis. I mean, there's a damage roll also, but um, in XCOM, you can just miss and completely lose like your shot. So you, you know, your unit's in a uncomfortable, un, you know, uh, unprotected spot trying to shoot at somebody. And this could either be like, okay, we're seizing the advantage here because I've taken that guy out or I just missed. And now like it's a massive swing. So that level of variability in the randomness, that's something that I'm definitely opposed to more than the fact that it's output randomness specifically. Um, I do still think people need to be careful with output randomness, um, but one of the ways that you be careful with output randomness is by restricting the variability of it. So, um, so here's one approach that we could take uh, that I've been thinking about recently, which is, so you, you have 50% effectiveness on your attack, and that results in like five as like your normal or average amount of damage. And then you could just you could just wiggle that up and down by some percentage, or you could wiggle that up and down by literally like an integer. So you could have it as simple as your base, your like normal average amount of damage is five, but you have a 33% chance of doing four, a 33% chance of doing five, and a 33% chance of doing six damage. So the probabilities distribution is completely flat and even. And um, because what I really, really want to not incentivize is players trying to like do any kind of math or figure out, you know, like use calculators or, you know, trying to trying to eke out some advantage by uh, doing math on their end. Uh, to the extent that I can disincentivize that, um, I will I will try to do it. Now, I should say that I don't think you can completely ever entirely disincentivize that. I think that um, that there's probably always going to be some way for players to calculate out something. Um, so it's really just a matter of like, are, are you suggesting that they do or are you suggesting that they shouldn't? That's really, I think, what the question is. And how much are you suggesting that they should or they shouldn't? So that's kind of where I'm at right now in terms of dealing the damage. Um, I think and we also were building this uh, sort of like panels that show what are all the numbers that feed into your um, to your basic attack damage uh, or your defense. I think that makes sense. Um, now there's also a question of like, when you attack, is there a simultaneous or right afterwards counterattack? Um, we're actually back to the simultaneous attack now. Um, so you attack and the opponent attacks at the same time. Um, well, I'll, I should clarify, it doesn't actually matter that it's at the same time anymore because now our units are individuals, which means that they always deal their full damage. So the only reason it would matter that they're at the same time or not is if you would kill them and stop them from counterattacking, um, which I actually think maybe we shouldn't do that because that's a step in a swingy random direction, right? So if you have like four or five or six damage and they have five health, there's a chance that you will just uh, kill them instantly and you won't take the counter damage. And, I, and that's one of those things where I'm like, that there there's like a way in which that's good in this candy sort of way and there's a way in which that's bad so i'm leaning against doing something like that 
but it's I don't know. It's crazy how much uh, how much I guess wiggle room there is on these sort of things, and how much subjectivity there is. Um, and I, I'm just like witnessing how differently people play games. You know, and it's it's nice to take a step back too. And I think this is maybe advice for anyone making any game, which is that any decision that you make, you know, it's going to work. Uh, it's going to have some advantages and it's going to have some disadvantages and, you know, on some level, let your thing be a thing, uh, and let it have, you know, there's going to be some people who hate what you've done and there's going to be some people who really like what you've done. So, so really I'm, I'm designing a game that, uh, largely that as always that I think is cool but even in there, there's like some question about like, well, what do I think is cool? Like, what would I, what would I enjoy doing? There's some things that I, in tactics games that I know I do not enjoy, that I know are bad for me at least, which are, you know, the XCOM misses or the incredible amount of black box, like math calculation behind an attack in Final Fantasy Tactics. Um... You know, those kinds of things I'm, I'm not crazy about. I also don't, like, Advance Wars is uh, not swingy enough. I think that in Advance Wars you have your damage range is like, um, just, it's like either you're going to do five or six damage. Uh, if I recall correctly, it's like you have like 52% uh, attack or whatever percent. And that means that you have a 8 out of 10 chance of doing five damage and a 2 out of 10% chance of doing six damage. Um, which like makes sense, but I don't really, I personally, I don't want to like, I don't know what that adds to the game, you know, like, why can't it just be a 50% chance five, 50% chance six? Um, and then also it's like such a small amount of randomness. Like, why is that even there? Um, so yeah. I would say probably Advance Wars, you know, could just do as well by not even having random combat, just having completely non-random combat. So yeah, currently, I mean, the closest relative, and I think it's good because, you know, Fire Emblem is, is on people's minds because it just had this big hit game. But I think that Fire Emblem is actually maybe the closest relative and the new, like, model that I'm thinking about in terms of this combat system. Of course, our combat system, I think, is a lot simpler. Uh, but another thing to think about that Fire Emblem has, and this is a general tactics game question, is something like the, uh, you know, the rock, paper, scissors quality of the swords uh, and the axes and the lances and how those all beat each other. And there is a value in that like a candy style value of like yeah you put your axe guy up against their lance guy or is it vice versa i forget but you you know you set up a favorable trade there and you've just clearly done a good thing and you get a candy for that you deal more damage they deal less damage etc and uh that that i understand the appeal of that but i think that's I think that's a little bit more out of place or harder to make work right in a strategy game. It, it makes more sense in an RPG because like in an RPG, you kind of, 
you, you don't necessarily want it to be a puzzle, but you kind of want it to be puzzle-like in that, like, there's some pretty rightish answers, like, staring people down in the face. And that's why those things exist in, in, uh, in these games. There, there are opportunities to create, like, obviously correct answers. Now, of course, we could scale down the effects of those and stuff and, and make it work, uh, but I'm not sure it's necessary. So yeah, that's about where I am right now in terms of uh, thinking about combat in Gem Wizards. I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts about that. Um, if you're working on uh, tactics games, you know, what are you trying to do? I noticed that a lot of tactics games, a lot of developers are, are exactly that. They're tactics games. And as they are tactics games and not strategy games, the, op the option of having totally deterministic combat becomes a lot more um, reasonable. Uh, deterministic combat uh, in these games, when you're looking at them as a strategy game, meaning a larger board usually, a lot more going on, um, is hard to do without overloading the amount of calculation or suggesting too much calculation. Now, I should also say that uh, there's one last thing I wanted to talk about, which is this idea of even if when you start an attack, uh, there's no calculation required, there's no math everything's clear as day, there's an even distribution of your, you know, it's going to do four or five or six damage. Uh, even if that's the case, there's still like these second order kind of calculations that always could be done. So like, well, what if I move my guy there? What will the odds be then? What if I move my guy over there? What will the odds be then? What if I attack him first and then have the second guy come and attack him? How will that play out? So there's always going to be these like a little bit of that kind of calculation. And um, I think that that's just something to keep in mind and something to sort of manage as you go. It's, it's a balancing act, right? Because obviously you don't, you don't want a game that has like zero ability to look ahead or uh, to plan. Um, but you also don't want to facilitate or suggest that players uh, play a game in a slow plotting, perfection-based, you know, calculation-y way. All right, so that's about all I have to say about tactics games for now, for today, but I would love to hear if you have more thoughts on this. Uh, please hit me up on the Discord or on Twitter, and I'd uh, be happy to talk to you about that. I should also remind people that I do a daily, uh, Monday, not a daily show, but a weekly show on Mondays, on uh, my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash KeithBurgon, and we welcome call-ins. So if you'd like to call in, it, I mean, you can go on the Twitch chat and just type in questions, comments, thoughts, things like that, but you can also call into the show and we can talk. Um, and uh, we've had a few people do that and it's been really fun and useful. So on to our second topic. The second thing I wanted to talk about today is um, the idea of quarterbacking in co-op games. So I wrote an article a few months back about this topic, and in that article, my basic thrust was embrace quarterbacking and um, think of your game as a social game. Now, a social game does not mean a party game. It doesn't mean you're giving up on strategy game design. It doesn't mean uh, that it's bad or any, any value judgment, but it means that you're embracing the social aspect. Right, you're um, you're doing things to facilitate social interaction that uh, that exists on the social 
in the social world. Now, what's interesting is quarterbacking itself is a social world issue, right? Like, it's something that either happens or doesn't happen within the social world. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things in the rule set that facilitate that or not, but ultimately it's something that will happen in the social world. It doesn't happen in every single match of pandemic, right, that's ever happened. There have been the matches of pandemic where there was no quarterbacking. And so ultimately it's something that takes place in the social world. And so I think that's where I was kind of coming from with that article was embrace that, you know, um, and look into ways that you can like tweak that up and, and use that as a strength. So, but I also, today I wanted to talk a little bit about the ways that um, cooperative tabletop board games, which is largely what we're talking about, turn-based games, uh, the kinds of games that get talked about as having a, quote, quarterbacking problem, uh, that there's something in there, like a, um, a supposition that uh, is kind of wrong, that is causing some of the confusion. Um, now, as we often deal with, we have words in game design, right, that refer to things, but they're words that are taken from other things. And we're also sort of like discovering forms and we're discovering design patterns. We're like, we're really in a process of discovering this whole world of interactive systems. And as we discover things, we apply words from other things that we know that are kind of similar to those new things that we've discovered, but they don't always fit, right? They, they, they always, they, a lot of times something gets lost. And one of the ways that, one of the places I see that happening is with the word player, okay? So um, when you think of pandemic, it being the, I think the uh, essential, you know, cooperative tabletop board game, it says on the box that it is for, I think, two to five players, right? And indeed, it's designed for that number of players to sit around the table and play Pandemic. But there's another way in which Pandemic is kind of a one-player game, you could think of it as. Uh, I mean, one player can play Pandemic, and indeed, uh, on the digital version, it's very easy to play at one player or on the tabletop version for that matter, I still have never really quite gotten into the whole concept of sitting with a board game, like all set up on a table by myself and playing a, uh, a game in that way. Um, I think that on partially on a practical level, it's like, why don't why I just want to do this digitally? It'd be much better. Um, but um, that aside, they are games that are in some sense one player in that like they have one force and i wanted to talk a little bit about what that is like this one force that's that's facing a, a goal right something that might be useful to think about is team games so uh, a team game is these two forces that each have a goal that they're pursuing and they're sort of getting in each other's way of pursuing that goal um, and they can have multiple players on each team, or sometimes they can just have one player on each team. So basketball, for example, is a sport that, uh, can be played by any number of players on a team. Uh, not any number. I don't actually know what the standard is for players on a, a team, a basketball team, but I would say like 10 or something like that. 
Um, and, uh, and, but it can also be played just one-on-one. -on -one. And yeah, the rules change a little bit. Like something like passing becomes not a thing anymore when, uh, when you're playing one-on-one. -on -one. But, um, but, but generally the rules, uh, and also that actually works on the other side too. Like you could imagine like a 30 on 30 basketball game and it might need to have some rule changes to accommodate all these more, you know, actors on the field. And technically maybe they're all different games on a very technical level. But the point is that in sports or in team games, each team can be thought of as a player, right? Or a agent or a force that has these multiple little actors running around. But those could be looked at in the way that like StarCraft has a bunch of Marines or Zerglings running around on one team. So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, there's a lot of blurriness here in terms of like, what's a player, what's a force, what's a side, a side is a good word. Um, and, and what's a good way to define this? And I, I for me, I, I tend to think actually that I, I look at those cooperative board games as one player games. Um, because to me, the number of humans that are sitting around the table moving things doesn't uh doesn't isn't as meaningful as how many goals are there how many like different opposing goals are there so like in a team game in league of legends or something my team's goal is to destroy your nexus your team's goal is to destroy my nexus so we have two distinct goals there and i think that that's a more useful way to divide up like what is a player now obviously like you know, it, it matters uh, how many humans are on a team. I've said before that uh, I'm actually, in terms of like, you know, pure theoretical clockwork strategy games, I'm actually pretty skeptical of games that, you know, I, I think one player, just one player total, is the sort of default way for a strategy game to exist. I've written an article to that effect. Um, I think that one-on-one, -on -one, like a two-player competitive game, makes some sense and then beyond that it starts just getting um from a strategy game perspective it starts getting silly really fast and um it starts entering into the world of like more of a social game now why would you have a team game i i think that the reason to have a team game or to have multiple people controlling units in pandemic is are ultimately social reasons they're not game design reasons um, now, interestingly, uh, uh, a game that, uh, type of game that kind of cuts into this argument a little bit in an interesting way are traitor games like Werewolf and Mafia and those kinds of things, The Resistance, where they are social games, but they, their rules are also, they have, you know, two sides. You could say they have two players. Although because they're so inherently social and about the social world and what's happening in the social world, um, I think that, um, you know, you actually end up having this thing where and players don't know who's the spy or whatever. You have this thing where um, the goals are a little bit like unclear uh, because players don't know who is the spy. And so they start developing, you know, sort of their own emergent goals. And they are all acting to some extent as their own players or sides or forces in those games because nobody can trust anybody and nobody knows 
which humans are on which sides, right? No one knows which humans. So there's a, a disconnection there between the sides and the human beings playing the game. And so that's a good example. Uh, it's not the only example that we could come up with, but that's a good example of embracing, you know, running with the concept of, yeah, we have different humans sitting around this table. Why do we have that? So that's something that pandemic completely misses. Pandemic does not have any reason for there to be multiple humans controlling this. Frankly, um, you know, something like League of Legends, um, there's no reason that, you know, the other actors couldn't be just automated or like you control them like an RTS. Uh, now, that might sound absurd to you, controlling them like an RTS or having an AI do it, but, you know, how often is it the case that your human allies in uh, League of Legends do some crazy, stupid thing that makes the game over. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, humans are not necessarily more reliable, or uh, it's not any less absurd of a premise, really, to have another human being who, especially when you play, like, solo queue or something, Some, but, you know, just broadly, another human being, they could just, who knows what could happen? They, they could... Uh, have a personal emergency and just have to leave the game or you know what I mean? There's so many there's like this huge chaos element to having another human being control these things and So I think we shouldn't be too dismissive of the idea of League of Legends Where you can the other uh, units on your team are controlled by AI and you can like maybe dictate orders to them somehow using like the ping system or you know look at sports um, something like John Madden football, you know the the video game uh, or all these video game versions of sports are often controlled. Your whole team is controlled by one player, and they come up with these schemes for how to do that, and um, and that that works pretty well, I think. Um, so yeah, my overall thing here is, you know, if you want to make a cooperative game, I think it's worth thinking about that. Why do you want to make a cooperative game? You know, like. What is your top level motivation here? Like, what is the experience you want to create? Um, because I think there's a fundamental thing there where um, players want, I think what they want is something like what you get in a, a real-time cooperative game, where you have this, you know, f communication that's very limited by time, but then they're like, well, but I want that without the time limitation. And, you know, it's like, well, the time limitation is what creates the time limitation. Um, and, uh, yeah, so so I guess what I would say is, like, team games are also one-player games, or one-on-one -on -one games, I guess you could say. And the only reason that they sort of feel more cooperative in the, in the you know, the sense that we want is those time limitations, those execution limitations, those information exchange limits on the amount of information that can be exchanged. And, um, yeah, uh, so I would say that, you know, I, I think it's best to think of games like Pandemic as one-player games, or if you prefer another word, like one-side games, um, and uh, same with sports, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. They're, they're basically one-on-one -on -one games with just a bunch of different actors running around, as something like Madden d demonstrates. Uh, but if you do want to make something that's uh, other otherwise, um, so so what I would advise, my advice going forward is embrace them as 
one-player games, going back to my article, embrace them as quarterbacked games, games played by committee. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, in fact, like that's a lot of what happens on like Twitch, right? Is like people are playing a game and other people are like, oh, you should go blah, 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 blah. And they like provide advice and suggestions. And, and there's also uh, Twitch plays where, you know, Twitch actually collectively plays something. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And then if you want to create a social experience, um, then I think that it's worth thinking about it as a social game first and thinking of rules that can uh, facilitate that. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But yes, quarterbacking is not a problem. It's If anything, it's a problem of our, uh, mis, our mischaracterization, miscategorization uh, of various games. That's about all I've got to say on that. Um, thanks so much for listening to the show today. Uh, I want to say thank you to my patrons who make this show possible. And of course you can become a patron. What do you get when you become a patron? Well, you get special discord roles. Uh, we have two different ones of those based on the tier that you, or maybe actually we have three roles. Yeah, I think we have three discord roles and, um, you get early access to gem wizards tactics, uh, which is really quite a piece of software at this point. Uh, you also get all of my other games for free, which that's pretty cool. I have like a good amount of games and prototypes. You also get er first, first access to any of my prototypes. I also have sometimes like updates that I throw out that are just for you guys. I also have um, like early, like I'll ask poll questions of you guys. Like, what do you, what do you want to see here? What do you think of this idea, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah, and, and not only that, you also are supporting something, like if you think that the work that I do in terms of game design theory, um, I don't think there's a lot of people out there doing the kind of stuff that I'm doing exactly with strategy games in particular, uh, let alone there's not a lot of people out there who have the same conception of what a strategy game even is. But, uh, you know, if that stuff is interesting to you, if you think that's important, um, it certainly helps me a lot if uh, people become patrons. And um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.